0: What's going on, travel family, Point Noirians? Thanks for coming back to tune into another session from the Point Noir podcast where we not only inspire but equip men of color to go and see the world for themselves. I'm your host, your MC, your tour guide for this audio experience, as always, Jerry the Third, aka Kimono Jack. And real quick, we talk about equipping men of color. If you want to see who our passport winner was for the month of February, Hit us up on IG at Point Noir Show. We're going to announce it in our stories today. That's where you can stay up to date with everything that's going on in Point Noir trips we have coming up opportunities we have coming up we might even drop a secret show here or there hey y'all gotta stay in the know y'all gotta stay hip follow us on ig that's where all the goodies are so at point noir show that's where you can find us but today's the 37th session of the point noir podcast always excited to share another unique travel perspective from an insightful man of color and we have just that coming up for you so stay tuned let's introduce him right now joining us today as our special guest at the point is Aaron O'Shea you can follow him on instagram at Aaron O'Shea and I'm so grateful that he was able to come on the show and share his unique perspective not so much about travel but more about adventure and reframing stereotypes and misconceptions when it comes to people of color and men of color in the outdoors and in nature just a few years ago he got introduced to his first trail hike and it literally transformed his life since then he's been out hiking trails by himself encouraging other people that look like him to do the same and this has culminated in him creating this amazing community called the midwest color camp where he not only encourages men of color but other marginalized communities to go experience kind of like the healing power of nature leading trips educating people telling them what awesome stuff is out there for them He shares his enthusiasm for sure on this interview so if you're into nature you're going to love this one and if you're not into nature definitely stay tuned because you might find a reason or two to at least give it a try because his words are just very relatable and i think powerful so as always get your refreshing beverage of choice find that cozy spot on the couch sit back and get ready for another amazing point noir
1: experience
0: Hey, what's going on, Aaron? Welcome to The Point. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling today, bro? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. You seem unsure. What's going on?
1: (laughs) Oh, no. So I I just got back from a climbing gym that I signed up for last night, actually. And uh, I had my first session today and I went climbing. And so I am feeling the effects of a first-time climber.
0: Okay, got you. So were you like in a... In a training class, did you have a one on one session? And we're talking about rock climbing, right?
1: Yeah, so it's it's um indoor climbing, which is called bouldering. Um mm-hmm. and no, it was just me. I went in and like got up, got my shoes and my chalk and everything, and then I just did it all myself.
0: Okay, so some starting off with some Spider Man vibes right here, a little Miles Morales, I got yeah, you.
1: A urban spider-man like urban urban spider-man
0: <laughs> extra urban you know <laughs> stay strapped in these streets i got you um, <laughs> that's what's up bro well, i'm excited you're on the show man there were some things in your ig profile that caught my attention you know regarding things like bouldering and being outdoors in the wilderness and nature and i just wanted to get your perspective and hear about your story as an adventurer and um also a traveler so Let's start off with that, man. Tell us uh, where you're coming from and about some of your travels.
1: So I am from the south side of Chicago, um, far hundreds. For anybody that's familiar with Chicago, you already know that that's like the predominantly black and brown area of Chicago. Um, Yeah. And growing up, I didn't really have a lot of outdoors experience. So this sort of genre of adventure is still, I would say I'm still sort of newish and exploring. I've just been nonstop about exploring ever since I started. Okay. So a few years ago, I had a friend who had grew up hiking, camping, getting outdoors. She was from the Pacific Northwest. And so like, this was part of her life. Um She talked about, you know, getting outside a lot and I was pretty apprehensive about it initially because it's just one, not something that I had grew up doing and was familiar with. And then also there was all, you know, a lot of baggage, I will call it from like generational baggage and generational trauma associated with being out in nature, being out in the woods, in the forest and things like that.
0: Like specifically to to you and your family lineage, or you mean just in the narrative of uh, you know, blacks in America.
1: So I mean, as a black person in America.
0: Mm, okay, we'll talk about that.
1: Yeah. So she convinced me to um agree to essentially a bet. And if I lost the bet, then I would go hiking with her.
0: Okay, but if you won, you went on a date with her? How did this work? What, what, what were the stakes here?
1: But if I if I won, I think it was like, Something like treat. I I don't know. I said something silly, like, you know, treat me to the movies or something stupid like that. (laughs) But the bottom line is that I lost the bet. I don't even remember what the bet was. I just I lost the bet. I ended up going on this hike with her. And the entire time there I was uh, talking about like my apprehensions and like things that made me nervous about doing this. And so we, you know, we, we chatted it up a little bit. And then when we got to the actual hiking spot, um, Star Rock State Park here uh, in Illinois, um, we sat in the car for a while because I was just like, you know, it was finally real that like I'm really going hiking out in the woods. And like it was already getting late and just like everything that I had feared about being outdoors was like right there in my face, and essentially, I made the decision yeah, you,
0: you was you was outside outside,
1: yeah, so like out Star Rock State Park is like nature there's no like city infrastructure around uh Star Rock. I just made the decision that like if I'm gonna ever do this, I need to do it right now. we've driven all the way out here. It would be ridiculous to just like not go hiking and so I did and almost instantly i fell in love with being outdoors and not even just like a casual fall in love it was like something deep that i felt like was there the entire time and i just didn't know it that that that's the essentially the origin story of how i got started hiking wow
0: that's powerful bro and and I really resonate with the fact that you shared. It felt like there was something deep inside of you because you mentioned the heritage, uh, but there's a heritage we don't share a lot about, you know, the mm-hmm. first Cowboys, the first trailblazers being mm-hmm. black or the Seminole Indians down in Florida and Oklahoma. So, you know, we've, we've been a part of some of the, you know, some of the people who've literally paved the way for these cities and, and the West to be um, ooh, what's, what's the best way to say it, to be Americanized. Um, you know, because there's a lot of takeover of indigenous people's land and stuff like that. But we were part of that heritage, too. So it's interesting that you felt a connection to it because that's a part of your history too, our history.
1: It's definitely a part of our history.
0: Yeah, man. So um, hiking got you kind of hooked, got you in there. What was that hike like? Like how long were you guys out there for? Did you lose track of time? What What did you feel in that experience that that just overwhelmed you and, and gave you this deep passion for the activity?
1: So. I believe we were we were probably out there for about three or four hours. Um, like I said, when we got there, it was already like starting to get a little darker. And so I didn't want to be, you know, <laughs> out right. there in the pitch dark on my first time, like hiking. It just wasn't something I wanted to do. So, uh, we went hiking and like, like I said, we got out there, we, we got a situation, we got situated. And the thing was probably about 30 minutes into walking, um, on the trail, I just sat down and sat, I believe it was like a rock or like a rock bench, something sort of man made ish. Um, but I just sat there for like an hour, just taking everything in Mm -hmm. and up until that point i really thought that i had like felt that feeling because in chicago we have like a lot of like really nice nature-esque like city parks but it's still surrounded by city sounds and right. city smells and right. so
0: urban structures and stuff like that
1: yeah ur- urban life and so when i was actually out at uh star of rock state park I just like I said it was something that was very deep feeling that came to the surface and I just sat and took it all in the sounds the animals the water the trees like the wind blowing all of it I don't know man it was it's still like something that even right now talking about it I get a little emotional about it because it it, it just meant so much and it it really like yeah. forced me to think about why I hadn't gotten outside in the first place. And who else feels that way? Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, it was just, it was overwhelmingly beautiful.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I can relate to those similar experiences, just being overwhelmed by the beauty and all the different positive attributes of nature. And after you had this first experience, like what was your next response as you go back and tell all your friends like, yo, we got to go hiking next week. Like, did you, did you make it a habit right away?
1: (laughs) I actually did. Um, on the actual hike, like before we were at, we, we left the state park. I told myself that, you know, I need to get my friends and family out here because if this did this for me and like, I consider myself sort of a person that's open to like experiencing things just in general. So if this did this for me, what more could it do for like my friends Mm -hmm. that I grew up with that barely even went to the city park, you know, and, um, right away just right away. I knew that it was something that I wanted more people, specifically my mother, um, to experience and, It was it it was it was just something that I knew needed to be an important and like central thing in my life.
0: Okay, so then the next weekend you guys uh, packed a few lunches. The whole family went skipping through Starved Rock uh, State Park again and it was all good, right?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I came home. Um, And I remember one of the first people that I told about it uh, was one of my best friends growing up. His name was Nehru. His name is Nehru. I'm sorry. Um, And he was like, why the hell would you do that? And he was in he was in the military and, you know, he had experience being around the world and being, you know, in different spaces and even still. Just like the thought of just going out into like this space, this nature space that you don't know anything about and you don't know like the circumstances and what might happen and all these apprehensions that just are there. It came out like right away with one of the first people that I shared this experience with. So um, getting friends and family outdoors was definitely not as easy as i actually thought it was going to be <laughs> right <laughs> even still now and i've been you know getting outdoors for several years now and it's still sometimes i'm met with like you do what you what you huh what and so yeah
0: i mean i can imagine it and like you said a lot of times we don't uh we're not exposed to it and we don't know what else goes on out there so we we hear these terrible stories that could be I mean, it could be so many things it could be something like a, a lynching
1: generational stuff yeah yeah it's like it, it's not even really a lot of the apprehensions that i hear uh, like when when i talk to people specifically black people um it's not something that like they experience or like their family immediately experience they're drumming up the history of what it's meant for African descendant people to be in the woods. It's not a pretty history.
0: So what have you heard? What are the ones that come up the most frequently?
1: Um, some of the most things that like people hit me with like right away as sort of a defense is the history of lynching in the woods um, and the history of escape like slaves that would, you know, you escape, you go into the woods and either you made it to freedom or you were never heard from again or you were drugged back and then, you know, treated like an animal in front of everybody else. So there, wow. there is still right now a lot of generational trauma from things that happened during slavery.
0: That's the word, bro.
1: That keeps us from like even wanting to try to see what the outdoors is about. It's just like a. It's I I I try to think of it as like a defense mechanism, but really it's a barrier. It's just something that is right right now. It's in the way of experiencing something that we you know uh, we we are African descended people. Nature is one with us, hmm. you know. So it's something that um, I believe should be, you know, more more prominent in all of our lives.
0: Yes, bro, I totally received that, and the fact that you said trauma—that is absolutely the correct term. That's generational trauma. That's a part of the history that we learn and absorb, and that is a defense mechanism. Yeah. Um, but it's incredible that in this age where we have technology, literally supercomputer in your pocket in the form of your smartphone yeah that you know that simple relationship isn't made clear um that's i mean that's that's real that's real trauma
1: definitely
0: so in your pursuit of nature and wanting to see more adventures have you been able to travel and have similar experiences um wherever these adventures led you like have you gone overseas and done adventurous stuff have you uh mostly stayed domestically how has travel been incorporated with this
1: so for the most part for me um i prefer to stay local and by local i mean like Mm -hmm. the midwest and that's a very deliberate and like calculated decision on my part um Mainly because of the fact that in terms of travel and the outdoors and exposure to like life outside of the brick and mortar lifestyle, the Midwest doesn't really get enough shine, in my opinion. Um
0: You're absolutely right. Yeah. That that's science. There is less shine in the Midwest it, than the coast.
1: It's it's just nice. we just don't get the <laughs> exposure that I feel like we deserve. So for like largely that purpose, I try to center my personal travels around going places that are in the Midwest. Okay. I mean, it, it, okay. yeah. Okay. Just
0: bet, and just real and real quick, because we'll we'll jump back mm-hmm. to it, because uh, I want to dive into the Midwest. I'm a fan. I've become a fan of the Midwest. Have you traveled overseas much?
1: I um, have been overseas, not a whole lot but um i've i've I've, I've, I've done some traveling
0: okay not a problem so this is awesome because we're recording this is live there's no scripted questions on this show right but i am a huge fan of domestic travel Mm -hmm. because there are so many hidden gems Not even hidden. There are just so many gems in the diversity that is the United States of America, and people need to discover them. You know what's in their own backyard. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are intimidated by the show, or even being guests on the show, because they see these people who've hit fifty different countries, and it's all international travel. But I've literally been looking for someone who could be an expert on domestic locations and their experiences as a man of color, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on the show. I just wanted to make sure that was all clear on the air. Yeah. Um for others listening because we're going to talk about domestic shit in the midwest midwest is going to get some shine and this episode is going to be fucking lit and that's yeah. just that's just what it is you know what i'm saying that's just what um, it is. so talk to me about the midwest what are some what are some unsung gems of the midwest what are some locations that people need to check out and what will they find there
1: so it's crazy because the midwest is like so beautiful and so varied in the type of natural settings that we have and people really don't know it. So Mm -hmm. like, for instance, there are, um, a bunch of long distance trails that are like hundreds or like thousands of miles long. And the two like major ones are primarily on the coast of the U S but we have several several uh long distance hikes which are called through hikes and um we have several of them here in the midwest and people don't even know it like we have an entire long distance hike in ohio that it's a circle around the entire state and that is it's crazy because like you can literally set out you know on Day one of summer 2019 and then be walking around Ohio for the entire summer. And it's that, that is like an adventure itself. So we do have like several through hikes that I definitely feel like don't get enough shine, but we also have, um, the second largest cave system in the U.S. So um, and it's Ooh. in Iowa. And like, you know, it, people treat it like what's in Iowa besides cornfields? Well, the second largest cave system in the U.S. is in Iowa.
0: Wow. So you mean you mean when people are going out to, you know, Cancun or parts of Mexico to go hang out in caves, they could do that in Iowa?
1: Yeah, you can do that in Iowa. And wow. uh, so I, I'm in Chicago. Um And the cave system in Iowa is called Makokita Caves, and um, it's only about a five-hour drive. You can also, like, take the train there. It's like the access is there. It's just people don't know that it's there. Yeah, so there's that. um, Like, over in the Dakotas, there are some national parks that, like, the scenery is ridiculous like badlands national park it is so 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 gorgeous bro badlands is badlands are fire i want to yeah, no, i want to no, no no see like that's what i see what what you just did is what i want to spark and inspire and in people just like oh uh, like there's a thing that happens when you think of natural spaces in the midwest that's what i want for more people
0: yeah you know, I'm, I'm with the outdoor thing. I, I grew up on the AT. Oh, so okay. I spent a lot of time on the Appalachian Trail yeah. um, between uh, as far north as Pennsylvania, but also spent a lot of time near Harper's Ferry towards kind of like the start of it. Okay. Down in uh, Virginia and in Maryland. And um, so I'm a fan of it. And I know the transformational power of just being out and entrenched in nature. Um, but things like the Badlands always catch my attention because the, I mean, the colors are just so vivid within the rock. I just want to ride a motorcycle through there and and kick it like it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 crazy because you 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 see pictures of it and it to like that to most people, even people in the Midwest, it doesn't look like something that would be in the right. Midwest, but it's here.
0: Right, absolutely, it's here. And I don't want to, yeah. you know. I okay. Let me back up a little bit. Too excited here. Nature out here, giving all the energy, all the all the (laughs) nature vibes. I mean, that's that's what it's for, man. But you've taken all this passion, all of this energy, and you've created this Midwest Color Camp. And I -hmm. want you to tell me about that. How did you decide that this was going to be the the work that you were going to partake on? Tell me about the Midwest Color Camp and what you've done with all this inspiration and your desire to share the beauty of nature and power of nature with
1: people so midwest uh color camp was uh it came about because i like i said I started going outside more and more, and on a very popular um instagram outdoors uh account, they did a feature on me just going outside in the midwest and the okay. engagement for the um for the posts get like so much love and so many people talking, you know, about the Midwest and like how they loved it and grew up and like it doesn't get enough shine. And I was like, damn, you're right. Like not enough people know about us. And so, um, what I did was started looking up because of like seeing how much people were really like there for me being in the Midwest, being out in the woods. I started researching like the nature that was around because like I said, I didn't grow up with like going outdoors. So it was at the time something that was still, you know, uncharted territory for me. And um I started looking it up like different nature spaces. And I was like, man, there is a mountain of nature here. And right. I've been to like uh Washington State a bunch of times for hiking, camping. I've been to California. I've been a bunch of places. But I, I felt like I wanted to do something that was very specific and local for me. So Mm -hmm. um, I came up with towards the idea of Midwest Color Camp to promote and show the nature that we have here in the Midwest. But I wanted to do it primarily for um, marginalized communities, people of color and LGBTQ and queer communities. I wanted to do something for us because as a subset of already not getting enough exposure of the Midwest, there's even less exposure of people of color in the Midwest, going out, hiking, right. camping, doing all of these very naturey things. And um, so I came up with Midwest Color Camp to, like I said, highlight the nature that was here, but also find like community and other um, outdoor advocates here in the Midwest that came specifically from major cities. And that is a very central figure uh, for Midwest Color Camp is the highlighting of nature, only really only around major cities in the Midwest.
0: Okay, so people can say, "All right, I live in Chicago, or I live in Indianapolis, and this is only four hours away."
1: Right, in Detroit and Minneapolis. and Toledo, Cincinnati, Grand Rapids, just Indian, uh, yeah, all over the Midwest, we have all of these major cities. And I also, the a little random fact is I found out through doing Midwest Color Camp that all of these names like cities, towns, villages, hamlet, all of those things really mean something specific and they're not interchangeable. I didn't know that until doing this, um, but I decided to focus on major cities because that's where you get the biggest uh, groups and like demographics of people of color and like other queer people in mass. And so, yeah.
0: Right. OK, so, yeah, that that makes sense That's probably where you have more densely populated areas of of anybody, yeah. but also. Um, you know, people of color and, and marginalized communities. So are you guys mm-hmm. putting on trips? Are you just, do, is it just an IG handle and movement? How are you engaging and empowering these people to come and experience the nature?
1: So um, one thing I want to point out, as you said, are you guys. And the thing is, it's just Aaron. <laughs> oh, Aaron, okay, is, okay. Aaron is, Aaron is, pulling the strings for everything and I I, I do have aspirations for bringing on more people but right now all the legwork is my own and I don't want to dilute that at all so I just decided uh really at the end of last year to start taking groups outside initially uh, Midwest Color Camp was about exposing the Midwest, exposing people to the nature that's around them and local. But then I decided to step it up a notch and say, hey, how about like I take the people out? Yeah. So I, I, I am starting to do organized group hikes and gatherings.
0: Wow. OK, so you haven't done any to date just yet.
1: Well, I did. I did uh, a couple small ones over the summer of two thousand eighteen, but they were okay. like sort of in collaboration with other groups. It wasn't like a Midwest colored camp event. It was hosting an okay. event for another group.
0: Okay, so it wasn't exactly a Spike Lee joint. It was a collaboration sort of deal.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: Okay, got you. But even having the yeah. the initiative and desire to put that together, I'm excited for what you're going to come up with. So. What what are you hoping to share with people? What what's going to make your trips uh, stand out to them when they come home? Are you going to do an educational component? Are you going to teach survival skills or, is, uh, you know, how are the trips going to be kind of outlined?
1: The trips as of right now, the planning process is to primarily talk to people about apprehensions and fears as to why we don't get outside. Hmm. Um. And then from that, after there's a little bit of a discussion about, you know, these reasons, whatever those reasons are, everybody has their own personal reason for why they don't do it. And so after that, then I am physically taking the group on a hike, um, taking them out to the trail and sort of showing them through leadership and through example that like, this is a space that is for you.
0: Okay. And from the trips that you've even collaborated with so far, what have been the experiences that people have had? Have there been, you know, total 180 degree turnarounds when it comes to nature? Have people, you know, broken down in tears or had very emotional moments like you did? What have been the response for the people who've gone out with you in some form already?
1: Yeah, so um, on one of the hikes that I sort of led the hike for another organization that um, I partner with frequently. One of the young ladies that went on the hike, she told me after the hike that it was her first time going out. She's been wanting to do it for years and like it was overwhelming. And that she, one, was, what did she say? She said that she... Was sort of mad at herself for not getting out sooner, but she was really happy that something existed in organization existed to sort of help take the pressure off. And so I didn't even notice during the hike, but she told me that like at, during one of our like breaks that as she was sort of taking the nature in, she started crying because of like what she was feeling. And I think that. Of everything that I've experienced with at West Color Champ so far, that little blurb stands out the most because it just shows me, one, that I'm not alone in feeling, you know, my feelings. But also people do want this to exist. It's not like just me saying I'm going to go out here and make this happen because it's what, you know. I just want to do. And whoever don't like it, don't like it. But there, there's people that actually want a Midwest color camp. And so right. that's a really, really, really big driving force.
0: Absolutely. And I'm so glad you could experience that positive feedback. And she was able to share that with you firsthand, because sometimes it is difficult to start a movement, something that's different, something that's a little bit out of the ordinary and get no response and just hear crickets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that, that's someone that's also been, you know, uh, empowered and ignited to maybe share the experience with somebody else and, you know, grow, grow a movement. And I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. What else do you see Midwest color camp accomplishing in the future?
1: One thing that I definitely want to do is set up a workshop Type platform where instead of like just hosting the group hikes, I want to in almost like a auditorium or like classroom function, like sit with people that are new to the outdoors or haven't gone at all or have only been out once or twice. And I want to like really dig into um like those apprehensions and barriers to getting outside. Cause, like, as of right now, it's sort of like a conversation along the hike, but I want it to have its own space so that, like, real critical thought and like discussion can be had about it.
0: I think that would be powerful. And for those who might be listening and following either the account or following the show that have the general, you know, kind of hesitation towards being outdoors, what's outside for people of color that they're missing out on? What what does that experience hold for them if they were to engage even in a small way with it?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I believe that one of the biggest things that you can really experience from going outside is seeing how small each of us are in comparison to like the natural world around us, because we live in a very, you know, in your control world with phones and TVs and laptops and all this stuff that like you power on and you control and you tell it what to do. But there is, there's like a, a submission that you give to nature and like how grand it is. I remember this one time I was, um, I went to, I believe this was in uh, central Illinois, Shawnee National Forest, Garden of the Gods. Um, I I was standing next to like this uh, sandstone monument. It was just so, it was so huge. And I remember thinking like, if this thing falls right now, there is nowhere that I could run that I could escape this. And it was very humbling <laughs> to realize like how, how much nature actually is in control. And, you know, mm-hmm. we live within nature's boundaries. And I think that going outside really allows you to not only see and experience it, but also like appreciate and respect it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like that that sense that you are small in the world is actually one of those things that can bring a lot of perspective and even meaning to our lives. That's where sometimes religion and other Mm -hmm. spiritual practices come into play because they make you feel small.
1: Nature is church and nature is church.
0: (laughs) Uh, Bro, it, it definitely can be. And I think it's something that people would benefit from because like you said, you almost, you felt that you could get, you know, be in a wily Coyote situation with that sandstone right there. Yeah.
1: It was was like literally nothing that you can do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's important because, you know, you mentioned us having control over our electronics, but the internet goes out. We ain't got control over shit. You know, it's very fragile and it's a powerful illusion. Yeah. And how long ago did you take that first hike, that epic introduction into the outdoors?
1: Early winter 2016.
0: Okay. Okay. So very recently.
1: No, 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 no. So early winter 2015. So only a year more, but spent about, you know, three years and some change that I've been going outside. And for
0: yourself, being from South Side of Chicago, you know, being in more of an urban environment, not exploring the outdoors, what has it given to you personally in terms of your identity as a person of color? You mentioned a lot about trauma and mm-hmm. kind of rewriting some of this old history. How has it impacted you as, you know, a person of color?
1: I think more than anything, it has shown me how much we hold on to our generational traumas and how we make them a part of our everyday lives without even consciously thinking about. Hmm. Um, Because one of the things that, like I said, normally when I tell people about me at West Color Camp or like even just me hiking or camping in general, um, it's like a gut reaction for them to be like, Nah, why the hell would you do that? Like, it's not even a thought that it could be more beneficial than harmful. The thought is like, it is harmful. So, you know, it's not something that is comfortable for people to to really see themselves doing. So when I tell them that I do it regularly, it's like, uh, so <laughs> you can see like the overwhelming feelings that, hit people's faces as soon as I'm like, yeah, last weekend I went camping alone and they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think that one of the biggest things that it's done for me that hiking, camping, getting outdoors has done for me has been to um, just let me see where those apprehensions, like where I'm holding them at. You know, and it allows me to then move past it because Ugh. I'm essentially facing that fear, and I'm I'm all the better for facing the fear.
0: Right, you're developing that that self reliance and just the the confidence. I think at some level it distills to confidence.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Wow, yeah, I can definitely see that. And since there are probably some people listening. And that still aren't sure about it. I I want we're gonna make this like a hard pitch right now because I'm gonna ask you some very specific questions. <laughs> so you ready? Uh yeah, I mean it is what it is, you know. All right, let's do the shit. So in the three years that you've been out in nature, uh, what have been two of the hardest lessons you've learned while, you know, learning to be an outdoorsman? Where are some moments where you're like, yo, Aaron, you you did not do your research on this one and we won't make this mistake again?
1: Hmm. I, I kind of feel like um, the initial question and then the add on, I kind of view them differently. So okay. when I think of like um, what I have dealt with or gone through um, from an external point has been the uh, sort of like realizing that you no matter what you do, do you can't change how people view you and look at you and it's not really your responsibility to do that and mm-hmm. i'm a person that although i don't really seek approval i don't like when people think sort of negatively like negative thoughts or like or i can tell that there's a negativity that a person is associating with me and mm-hmm. i'm specifically Speaking about when I'm out on a trail and I get the weird eyes, or even just like somebody directly talking to me in a very condescending way, specifically white people when I'm out outdoors. And like I said, one of the hardest things with that has been like allowing it to roll off my shoulder. So you fear racism or even
0: bad vibes when you're out on the trail and. You're still, you know, the the only black person around. You can experience some, you know, we'll say subtle hostility from other outdoors people.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, the 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 main reason why I talk about it, and I I'll proudly talk about the things that like I experience, especially like in in relation to dealing with people who look at me crazy when I'm out on the trail, is that. The reality is these people exist and they're out here, but they cannot we cannot allow them to be the reason why we don't go outside. Yeah. Like I've, I've had um, people that were visually less capable of <laughs> handling being outside or on the trail ask me if I needed like help or assistance and stuff like that. Um, I have had people that like when I was camping have like, uh, moved their campsite away from me and stuff like that. So like aggression, some microaggressions, some macroaggressions, like it, it definitely happens. And I am fully under the belief now that, you know, fuck it like fuck what they think fuck what they what like the you know the the ignorances that come that could very easily keep me or keep someone else from going outside i i i have learned to like literally not care yeah last summer i had a lady so i'm out on the trail and i I usually bring my dog with me i have Mm -hmm. a uh little one-year-old dog and she loves to hike and all of that so i'm out on a trail and it's like a kind of a rocky sort of uh trail path and there was a lady a white lady in a wheelchair she was in a wheelchair and let, let me just add this part um when i go out i'm very like technical and like i so i wear like Cargo pants and shorts, and I have like doodads and gadgets, and my backpack is always fat, even if I'm like going out for just two hours. I look like I'm prepared to be outside for the winter that's just yes. how I look when I go outside and This lady that was in a wheelchair, this white lady that was in a wheelchair, she stopped me on the trail to ask me if I needed help figuring something out like hmm. i i when I'm out on the trail, I look like I wrote the, you know, the signage for the places (laughs) that I'm in. I look like somebody who does this for a living. And it was just, and I, I, I honestly believe that she believes that it was in good intentions, but it was the fact that like, there was this black guy out here and she don't really see black people. So she, you know, thought that there, I must be in trouble and I must be in need of her assistance. And Hmm. it's just, you know, that, like I said, that's something that I had to learn how to like not care about because it's something that could definitely like deter you from wanting to go outside if you allow it to.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared that because I didn't have any questions to ask about that at all until you mentioned it. And I was like, Oh yeah, there might be, uh, yeah. there might be some not great vibes out there, you know, cause I mostly interpret yeah. the the outdoors community to be very open and you know, it's not everybody, there's still people. And I'm sure there's some pockets of them that aren't very elitist and bigoted. It's,
1: it's not. And people's racial hang-ups and racisms and microaggressions, they don't stop at the trail. In fact, I kind of feel like a lot of times it sort of revs it up because I'm part of a community of people of color that are advocates for the outdoors. And every single time that like uh, one of my colleagues or acquaintances talks about Um, the inadequacy or the inequality in outdoors lifestyles, you have this slew of white people that jump on that post and say, oh, nature isn't racist. You're making this up. You're being extra about it, all these things. And the point is that, no, nature itself is not racist. But when you bring your bigotry and your racism to the outdoors with you, you create the space that makes it uncomfortable for everybody else. Mm. It's something that I see, hear, and read a lot.
0: Yeah, especially if you're used to. Um, I mean, I can see it in a few ways where you know some people of non-color mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they might they might see it as their escape from the city. You know, yeah. okay, we've finally gotten away from them, exactly. and now they're out here where we are. Like this is you know, ain't no famous black people out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ain't no Bear grills for us. Um, and you know, they might feel that this is that last haven for them, or one of the few havens, and feel very much threatened by your presence, and even the appearance in your dress that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I can, I can definitely feel that vibe And the internet, you know, is a nice festering place for, uh, assholes anyway. So
1: yeah, um, they are in abundance. Yeah.
0: Wow. I really appreciate you sharing that because that wasn't top of my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, wasn't top of my mind to, to ask, but that's important. I think people are going to at least have some perspective so that, you know, we're, I think, people of color, men of color should go out in the outdoors, but they also need to be aware that they could encounter some of the same attitudes yeah. they encountered in the cities, but that's true everywhere. Yeah. You know, you could, you know, get called out of your name in space at this point. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's so crazy that so many people, like even people of color, like you said, it's not even something that you thought about until I mentioned it. It like that's part of the apprehension that we hold deep inside because like we have and by we, I mean people of color, we we have all these, you know, things that are inside of us that will keep us from doing something just because of the adversity that you face when you do it. But I'm not I'm not here and I don't use my platform to sugarcoat shit like the racism is out there. The, you know, assholes are out there, but we still need to be out there, too, because as long as it's not a normal thing to just like see, like until what I'm doing isn't important, then it's extremely important.
0: That's definitely a solid way to put it. I feel that. All things being equal, though, and all things being considered, I could see how safety would become more of a concern out in the wilderness, especially if you're new and you feel like you might encounter some aggression because you might actually go missing in the woods instead of them having to deal with you in the city and drag you to the woods, like you all the way out there. So how can uh, people of color and marginalized communities too, Uh um, because that is important. Yeah, for Um, sure to to you know for everybody to progress together but there are also some challenges there like when it comes to your physical safety sometimes you don't want to start in a quote-unquote disadvantaged position by being outdoors Mm -hmm. so how could somebody who's who listens to this is enthused by everything you've had to share how can they safely get started exploring outdoors and nature
1: what i what i firmly believe something that and I, i feel like most outdoors uh Groups or companies will say this, but I honestly do it and I fully believe in it, is letting a couple people know where you're going and like what your sort of itinerary is when you'll be back or when you intend to be back. And that itself, just doing that, just like letting your brother, your mother, your coworker, your good friend know, hey, I'm going out here to Buffalo Rock State Park. I plan to be out here for four or five hours. You know, I should hit you up around 6 p.m. That itself is a really, 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 really good first step to securing like your safety and like your personal safety. For the most part, practicality is the word of the day for this specific thing. Like I said, let people know. And the other thing is if you get a bad vibe from somebody just get the hell out of there. Like that's that's for anybody, period. But especially for us, if you really genuinely get like a vibe, like this might be confrontational or like, you know, that this person passed you this way and then, you know, they're circling back or like they're hanging around too long, just, you know, things that would normally stir up your suspicion, like listen to that and you know safety first mm-hmm. honestly it's always safety first i want everybody to get outside i want black men to be outside in numbers in ridiculous numbers but i i need us to like pay attention and like you know pay attention to the signs and be aware of your surroundings and it's not it's not something to like Hang up the coat on going outside because you have to do that because you got to do that anywhere, anywhere you go as a black man in America. You have to pay attention. You just have to. And so, um, yeah, it's no different on the trail. It's no different where you're camping. It's just that more action, I feel like, should be taken if you're like somewhere where there's really nobody else around yeah yeah so the in terms of safety always 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 let somebody know usually i'd say like let a couple people know but um let some know your itinerary mm-hmm. when you're expected to like make contact with them again and then also listen to your gut when you are out on a trail
0: yeah and those are good reminders even yeah. for experienced people uh, I'll say that my experience is I've not always done the smartest or safest thing being out in mm-hmm. the trails by myself. So those are those are two great pieces of advice. And you can also go with a friend yeah. if it's your first time and bring a flashlight just in case you're out there longer than you think you will be.
1: Yep. I um. So the the thing is, I advocate for solo outdoor experiences. Um. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are new, definitely bringing a friend or a family member is a good idea because it also exposes both of you to nature. But for right. me, I'm primarily a person that, like I said, I advocate for solo hiking, solo traveling. Cause I feel like there's, like I said, a religion and a spirituality in it that when you are out there by yourself, it's just, it's nothing like it. It's really, I can't think of anything really. That's like being out on a trail when, like, the sun is going down and, like, the weather is popping and, like, the animals and your snacks is on point, you got enough water. It's, it's, it's nothing like it, man. It's nothing like it. And so, um, from the standpoint of solo travel, those two points that I mentioned are definitely, like, um, my suggestions. If you are somebody that, um, is new or, you know, still have those apprehensions, then definitely like bringing a friend, you know, instantly doubles your, your ability to feel and to be safe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, I didn't want anybody to feel too pressed to do the solo thing. Cause I'm i I'm a solo hiker too. I've also almost died. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't want anybody to feel well, too pressed yeah, And you know, your, your first experience was the one that, you know, transformed, you into know, this, and it also had somebody else with it so definitely if you have zero experience and this is brand new bring somebody with you or, or find a group i'm sure there's, mm-hmm, a, there's a local mm-hmm. meetup group or maybe yeah. midwest color camp you hit a trip
1: yeah there there are several there are several groups that their thing mm-hmm. is group hikes. so that's that's definitely an option
0: and before we round things out i did have one question because this show is for men of color of all uh, ethnicities and backgrounds, how do you engage mm-hmm. with indigenous peoples um, when it comes to exploring the Midwest or even sharing the education about outdoors?
1: So one thing that I do, and I think is super important, um, I do it on Instagram and Facebook, like on the Midwest Color Camp mm-hmm. pages. But when like group hikes and group camping trips, you uh, become a more central, uh, factor in Midwest color camp, I always, 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 always acknowledge the first peoples, the indigenous peoples, the people who were here before other folks came here and disrupted a perfectly thriving way of life. Mm. Um, So on any post that I post of anywhere that I go, any picture that I take, any scenery, I acknowledge the ancestral lands of the people, the original peoples, the indigenous peoples that that space belonged to. Same thing will go for group hikes at the beginning of group hikes. I will definitely dig into the original, uh, um, and First Nations people that were there before any of the rest of us came there. It's a non, uh, negotiable thing. Yeah. It, it, it has to be, it has to be, it has to be a central thing to respect and acknowledge the indigenous peoples that were in the spaces that, you know, we're going outside for fun. Those, those people that live there and, you know, were the original stewards of this space, they need to be acknowledged. And so it's something that's very, very, very important to me. A
0: hundred percent, man. And you, you answer that so beautifully. And um, as many people know, it's my first time meeting people uh, you know when we're on the show, but I had a sense that you were aware of the history and were also doing your part to uh share it, to, to edify it, to mm-hmm. to pay homage and and respect. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm so glad people got to hear you share that because sometimes that's a that's a heritage that we completely forget about yeah. with our own traumas and struggles, especially as as black people. Mm-hmm. So I uh, appreciate that, bro. So much respect and and love for you doing this in a the right way Mm -hmm. and you know i can't wait to see midwest color camp just do its thing and grow how it needs to and support those that uh, are attracted to it so let us know man as we round out what do you have coming up where's your next hike or trip or adventure um what's the next stop how can we get involved with midwest color camp what you got popping
1: so the easiest thing to do is to follow, and engage on Instagram because that's prim- primarily the the post place. Um, you can always visit MiaWestColorCamp.com and uh, check out the goings. Um, one really cool thing that I have on the website that is nowhere else on MiaWestColorCamp.com is I listed, and I just recently finished this, um, I listed all of the state parks that are within 90 minutes from every single major city in the Midwest. Wow. Every single one. So there's 596 state parks that um, are in the Midwest. And I listed every single one for every single major city that is within 90 minutes by car. So it, it is an incredibly, incredibly useful resource for people who don't know where to go, who don't know what to do, like who don't know what's around but want to do something. You hop on the website, you look up uh, State Park Day Trips. It's like right there at the front of the website. You can't miss it. And it's just a list of places and it's, um, it's organized by distance from your city. Okay. So like from Chicago is organized like by whether it's 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, like that is, and it's, it's very, 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 very useful. Um, on a local level here in Chicago, this, uh, in the, in the next upcoming months, I will be getting certified to, um, utilize, um, camping gear for free. So I will be able to take families that normally wouldn't camp or like wouldn't be able to get outside or, you know, because being outdoors can be expensive, just like going and camping can be expensive. So I am um, working with a program that will allow me to take groups of people up to I think it's like 35 people out camping for completely free to them. All wow. they have to do is show up and I'll have everything else. So um definitely be looking out for that in two thousand nineteen, um and the following years. I'm really, really that's really probably my most exciting, immediate thing that I'm doing with Midwest Color Camp is the getting certified for the camping stuff.
0: That's awesome, man, and best of success with that. It I mean your passion, your enthusiasm for this just shows even across the airwaves. And I know people can feel it. And the fact that you're out here representing who you are and and what you do in this space and in such a a way that has so much integrity, dude, that's a big deal. Um, So thank you so much for being on the show, man. I hope we can stay in touch. I hope you guys definitely interact with Midwest Color Camp. And I'll plug this on the outro as well. But this is a big deal. It's cold right now. You have some time to plan when things get warmer uh -hmm, i mean i mm -hmm. think you're providing a a great service a great resource a great opportunity so man, hope to have you back on the show hope you stay around the point noir family man and um
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: yeah man so thank you so much for the time and uh we'll, we'll talk to you soon aaron
1: for sure thanks for having me man
0: of course man anytime take care what an amazing interview thank you so much for your time aaron Again, ladies and gentlemen, that's Aaron O'Shea of Midwest Color Camp. Make sure to follow him at Aaron O'Shea on IG or follow the movement MidwestColorCamp.com or Midwest Color Camp on IG. Just speaking to people, you know, people who've become wilderness experts and people that look like me is exciting it's encouraging and i know at some point in the future maybe the not too distant future there will be a point north summit of some sort and it's got to involve a hike it's got to involve nature because it's such a critical element of what's made me a successful adventurer and i think going out with other men of color or people that look like you it's just encouraging and what an opportunity to expose people who otherwise wouldn't go out in the outdoors or stay overnight in a tent, like, what better way to get introduced to that than by being around a bunch of awesome people who look like you? Then it's comfortable, you know? It's kind of like a cool kid club. So, that all being said, hopefully everybody got a lot of value out of this session. Definitely don't be afraid to leave us a review, a five-star rating on iTunes. We check them all out, and we might start um, shouting out some of the reviews on the show coming up soon. And if you want to stay up to date on all the Point Mar goings-ons, make sure you check us out on Instagram at Point Noir Show. So until next time, as always, this has been Jerry the Third, a.k.a. Kimono Jack, and I'm signing off. Peace.